I'm going to introduce those of you that don't know this young man to my left to 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 my left. Figure it out yourselves. <laughs> this is Raymond. Raymond's one of the prophetic leaders in this house, and you might not hear much from him because one of the reasons I love him so much is that he he doesn't like to be seen. He uh. But he's got a powerful, powerful anointing, and and every time he comes to me with a word, it's concerning the house. It's not about how amazing the things are that God showed him. It's about what God opened up to him, and I just want him to share what he, what God showed him in the prayer room this morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome service, awesome service. Uh, PK asked me to share what I seen this morning in the prayer room, and just want to throw this out there. Anybody who wants to come and. Pray with us in the morning. You're more than welcome. We get together right there in the vision room right there. Um, what I seen this morning was all you guys, and you guys were all dressed as you are now, and then God switched it. You guys were all wearing white. And I asked God, I said, you know, God, why why'd you switch it to, to white? And he said, because, because I've made their sin as white as snow. And then what he did was he, he flung his his robe over you guys, and the robe was purple, and we all know that, that purple is the, the, the meaning of, of royalty, and so I just want to encourage everybody today that, that you are royalty, that, that God has made your sin as white as snow, and if there's anything to rejoice, you should rejoice in that, because we all fall short of the glory, but glory be to God that he's forgiven us, glory be to God that he's made our sin as white as snow, thank you. He speaks. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He's speaking this morning. He's speaking. Wow. Amen. All right. Well, God is definitely speaking in this place this morning. Um, I'm feeling the rock to myself right now. So um, bear with me as I, as I, um, well, you know what? I don't want to contain myself. So forget that. Scratch that. Scratch that. Listen, we have been pre presented with an opportunity this morning. How many of you know that, and if you're not with me this morning, I, I just want to warn you, I might just come down the aisles and all the way out to you and look you in your face if you're not willing to just agree with me and let me know that you're here this morning. It's good to be in God's house together. Many of you might know or have had an experience in your life where somebody has come up to you and said, hey, I need to talk to you. I have, there's this incredible opportunity. There's this opportunity that's incredible and you just don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. And if you're like me, my instant immediate thought is, what's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me? And this morning I want you to know that there is an opportunity being presented to us in this house. It's in the air. It's in the atmosphere right now. And it is the opportunity to see without a doubt, with spiritual eyes, not jaded sight, not, not messed up sight, but to see with our spiritual eyes that the season has truly changed. That we cannot no, no longer make excuses for where we are because of what we went through yesterday, three months ago, six months ago, a year ago. We can't, we can't think about God today because of what happened to us in our mortgage a year ago. We, we just can't do that anymore. 
God is calling us to look at him today because his mercies are new every morning. His goodness and his mercy, they follow us all the days of our lives. And if we're thinking about yesterday and what went wrong with yesterday and not willing to look at him today and say, my God, I know you are good. I will not allow yesterday to determine how I'm going to look at you, how I'm going to hear you, how I'm going to see you. The opportunity has been presented this morning to allow his Holy Spirit to adjust our disposition. What is our disposition? It's how we see, feel, respond, look, filter, all that good stuff. The change of the climate. Because the season has changed. I love it. We've had a great kingdom weekend. The guys got together yesterday for breakfast. The ladies came out. Minister Cindy spoke. She spoke on, on change and how, how every day can be a new year. It doesn't have to. We don't have to wait till the first of the year to clear the slate, but that we can clear the slate in the morning. We can clear the slate in the afternoon. We can clear the slate in the evening because we're not guilty. Amen. We're not guilty. We heard it this morning. We're not guilty. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we're not guilty, that God isn't standing up there punishing us for yesterday's mistakes. And how many of you, how many of you know that we've made them? We've made them. But you know what? Today, right now, this very moment, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we came from. What really matters is how we see God. Today he's good and we need to act like it. Today he's amazing and we need to act like it. If we are still in the place where the economy that we keep talking about is getting to be irritating actually. If we're still in the place where the economy that rocked most of us if we're still in that place where we're still rocked, then we're in the wrong season. We're in the wrong season. God is good. He is good today. Listen, I want to, I want to tell you something. Your storehouses, your bank accounts may be lacking a little bit, but his aren't. His aren't this morning. And you got to remember that about him so you can get your disposition in the right place and you can line yourself up for the goodness of God because he's good today. In case you haven't noticed, look around. We've survived. We have survived, but I got news for you. The season of survival is over. The season of abundance is upon us because that's who he is. He's not lacking. His storehouses are full. The silos, they're full of grain. I see it in the spirit even now. He's not lacking. So we have the opportunity today to seize the opportunity to adjust our attitudes. To adjust our attitudes as a church about where we are. Would you open your, open your word with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Mm-hmm. Verses 6 and 7. Okay, I should you might want to lock the back doors. 
I love this translation that's up on the screen, but I'm not going to that one yet. I want to read this one first. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I want to ask you, church, and no, this is not a message on tithing. Listen to this translation. I love it. Remember, a stingy planner hold up. How many stingy people in the house this morning? Now you know you're not going to put your arm up. But listen, listen to this in a language that might make a little more sense than what I just read. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. There's the opportunity. And make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you from sob stories, your own, and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights, 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 church. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. How many of you are delighted when it comes time? Come on, I'm, I'm trying to be real here. Some of you are. Now listen, I know that there's some of you in this place that really, truly, it's a delight to be able to give to God. But some of us aren't there yet. So you have an opportunity this morning to come to that place of understanding, not just that it's a delight to give, but that God indeed is good. Because until you understand that he is good, it will never be a delight for you to give. Your attitude, your attitude about giving, listen church, your attitude, your attitude about giving will determine your wealth. That's a prophetic word and you can stand on it. Your attitude about giving will determine your wealth. Amen. Thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Somebody's excited. Praise God. Amen. Amen. We need to be delighted about the opportunity presented to us when we are thinking about giving, when we are determining to our giving. God loves a cheerful giver. We just read that. Do you know what that, the, the root word of that is in, in, the, in the Greek? It's really important to get this. The root word for being a cheerful giver or cheerful there is hilaros. Hilaros. Joyous, joyously, with a merry heart. When's the last time when they pass the offering buckets around in this church that you begin to laugh? I want that just to sit right there for just a moment. Because his word says he loves a cheerful giver. So something should happen in our hearts as a church when we are presented with the opportunity to give. We should not give just willingly. We should give cheerfully. Giving cheerfully is different. It's different than giving willfully. Do you know that? 
How many of you know that a friend can come to me and say, hey, Carrie, I got this going on in my life. And I really need your help. This weekend, I'm going to need you to help me to do something that's going to take about four hours. Can you help me out? And because they're a friend, I will do it. But it doesn't mean I'll be happy about it. We can be sons and daughters of God. We can bring our tithes and our offerings. We can bring our gifts, our gifts into the house of God. And we can do so willingly, but it's not the same as doing it cheerfully. It's not the same. It's not the same. And my heart as a pastor in this house, my heart longs to see us as a body blessed. Why can't it be us? Why can't it be us? Why does it have to be other churches? Why does it have to be other people? My heart longs to see that, but the Lord spoke clearly to me as I was preparing this word and said, you're not going to get to that place until they really understand my nature, until they really understand who I am as a whole. And I'm, and, and I'm, I'm not pointing fingers here. I'm just saying all of us need to take a good look at where we're at in this process. God loves a cheerful giver, one who finds giving laughable. Looking or dwelling in the wrong season might be affecting your ability to cheerfully give. We're not in, and I'm, talking, I'm not talking about natural seasons here. I'm talking about spiritual seasons. Some of you are still in a raincoat and a hat. And you're uncomfortable. Because we're not in the winter anymore. We're in the spring. You need to peel off the raincoat. You need to peel off the hat. You need to stop sweating it. You need to get into that. We just sang about the rain this morning, right? It's raining in this place. There's truth that's being deposited in your hearts. Even those of you that have been givers and you've been givers for years. God is speaking to you right now about your attitude about giving. How do you, how do you give? How you give is a direct barometer, direct barometer of what you think about God and his ability. Come on, is anybody with me this morning? I want you to hear that again. How you give is a direct barometer. It's a perfect measure of what you think about who he is and what he is able to do. Now, nobody else around you knows, and this is not a guilt, right? Not guilty, right? Not guilty. This is not a guilt thing. This is an opportunity, an opportunity to move into a place of blessing for all of us. So you are the one that needs to measure that. God's already, it's already measured by God. I'm telling you right now, it's already measured by God, your willingness and your ability to give. It's measured by God, but you need to measure it yourself because that barometer is going to tell you what you think about him. And if you don't think is good, you might be withholding. If you don't know him as a good God, a God full of blessing and riches and wealth and truth and just good stuff. If that's not how you know him, then you're probably in that place of withholding. And really all you're doing is jacking yourself up. All right, let's see. Got really quiet in here. 
So let's take a look at our hearts just a little bit. There's a scripture in 1 Chronicles 29.9. You don't need to turn there, but it talks about the children of Israel when they were preparing alongside David to rebuild the temple or to build the temple. And in that portion of scripture, it, it reads, the content of that scripture says that, that the children of Israel, they were delighted. They were excited. They were rejoicing about being able to bring in what they had and give. And, it, and, and the scripture says in 29.9, it says, then the people rejoiced for they offered willingly with a perfect heart. With a perfect heart. See, there's the key. It's not that they offered willingly. Many of us, if we're honest, we're, we, we willfully offer. We, we're willing. But maybe our hearts aren't perfect today. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's the problem. You see, it's more than, our, more, it's more than a responsibility to give. It's an honor. And until we move from that place of understanding that it's an obligation to it's an honor, we'll never get the cheerful part down. Until we move from that place of, ah, oh, you know what, I'm so tired of hearing about tithing, so tired of hearing about giving. Well, you know what, we're tired of preaching about it, to be honest with you. I am. I won't speak for any of the other pastors. I'm, we should have gotten it by now. And if we did, we'd be blessed. So if we're struggling, it means there's some of us are having a heart problem. It's not a guilt problem. It's a heart problem. And we need to move from that place of obligation into a place of joy when it comes to giving to the Lord. I can tell you honestly, I love it when I'm able to write my tithe check. Because it reminds me that God is good to me and He has not forgotten to, forgotten to take care of me. I might have lost my house. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Every day he's good to me. Every day I get up and I know that he's watching out for me. Every day I might not know the plan, but he does. He does. He does. And I'm not saying it's always, you know, I'm always laughing or really joyful when it's time. I'm not saying that. I need an adjustment too. I need an adjustment too, but for the most part, I've learned because I've been walking with him long enough. I've learned to make giving the first thing that I do when I get paid. Not after the bills to see what's left over, but before the bills and then trust God for the rest. And I've learned that there's joy in that. Because no matter how many times I find myself sweating, no matter how many times I worry or wonder, how, how are we going to get out of this one, God? He always, always, always comes through. He has never, ever, ever failed me. And there is testimony after testimony after testimony in this church. There's people that can stand up all over this house that have walked with him for some time that would say, you know what? I made a determination years ago that I would be faithful in my giving. And I haven't always been joyful, but I've always been willing. But it seems like in the times that I've been joyful that God has been better. <laughs> better to you. He never gets better than he already is, right? But better to us. I want to see us blessed. I want to see us. All of us in a place of abundance, in a place of overflow. I want to see us in the natural. I already see it in the spirit. I see it in the spirit, but I long for the day where the reports will be, you know what, I don't care what the economy says. I know who my God is. I don't care what Wall Street is reporting. My God is my God and his storehouses are full. 
When he blesses me, he blesses me, pressed down, shaking together and running over. There's no lack in him. There's no short of supply. So the children of Israel, they came in excited. They came in excited and what was going on in the temple was just a joy for them. Where are you at, church? <laughs> Come on, where are we at? Where are we at as a church? It's horrible English, I'm sorry. Where are we as a church? Come on. I'm, 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 pausing, I'm pausing on purpose here. Where are we in the attitude of our heart? It's not what you bring, it's how you bring it. It's not what you bring. We can sit up here and talk about the ties till the cows come home. It's not what you bring. It's how you, be, you bring it. I don't want to talk to you about the tie today. I shouldn't have to talk to you about the tie today. I'm not going to talk to you. But I am going to talk to you about your heart. How is it that you bring what you bring to the Lord? What is going on in your heart when you bring it? It's not what you bring, but how you bring it. Cain and Abel brought an offering in Genesis chapter 4. They both brought an offering before the Lord. The, Lord, the word of God says in Genesis chapter 4 that Cain was willing. He was willing and he brought an offering from the ground. The scripture goes on to say that God did not consider his offering. Maybe we're in the place that we're in because God's not considering what, we're, what we've given because of the way we're giving it. Not because of what we're giving. Did you get that? Cain was willing, but his offering was not considered. The scripture says God did not respect him or his offering. The literal translation there means that God did not, God did not consider the offering. Did not even consider it. I don't want to talk about Abel's offering being better because of the blood sacrifice. That's, that's not the point here. Actually, it's not the point at all, in my opinion. It was that Cain offered his offering with a bad spirit. What was going on in Cain's heart wasn't right. What was going on in Abel's heart was right. That's why when Abel brought his offering, the Lord said he had respect for Abel and for his offering. Do you know that, have you ever thought about the fact that what Cain brought God, he brought from the, from the ground? It was the very ground that God just cursed the chapter before. Think about that just for a minute. What are you bringing the Lord? Is what you have, this is horrible. <laughs> just wanna, I just want to say this. This is not condemnation, but I want you to just get this picture. Is what you're bringing to God cursed already? Is it cursed already because where it came from wasn't from Him? It was your own doing, your own determination, your own desire. And I'm not just talking about finances here. I'm not just talking about money. Is because what you brought to him was what you could give him on your own? Or is what you're giving him now because of what you gave him previously was a blessing from him? Am I making any sense this morning? Does anybody hear what I'm saying? He offered to God what God had cursed in the previous chapter. God had cursed the ground, remember? And Cain brought him an offering. That it, it, it told us exactly where Cain was in his heart. When we are willing without the right attitude, God won't consider our offering. When we're willing 
without the right attitude. See, that's what I'm saying. Being willing and being cheerful are two different things. Two different things. All right. Go ahead and go back one, one chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to give you a little history here. Paul, in this chapter, was speaking to um, the Macedonian uh, the Macedonian church. This is the churches of Thessalonica or Thessalonica, however you want to say it. Uh, Berea, Philippi, these churches. And he's speaking to the Corinthian church regarding an example that was set by these other churches. So, so Paul is instructing the Corinthian church, this church where, where worldliness and godliness was still had a grip on them, where, um, where uh, 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 the wealth of the world still spoke, you know, still had a lot to do with their thinking. And he speaks to them, the Corinthian church, starting in verse 1 of chapter 8, he says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace, the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, that in great, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and the deep poverty abounded in the riches, riches of their liberality. Okay, hold on just a minute. If you don't have your Bible open, let me read that for you one more time because that makes absolutely no sense if you're looking at that with your natural eyes. I'm going to read that second verse. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty... Okay, affliction, joy, poverty... Liberty abounded, or poverty, uh, poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. See, there was a grace, and that was the word that God gave me when I began to pray, pray, uh, prepare for this, is it's time to release a grace over this house. There needs to be a grace released over the hearts of the sons and daughters of Christian Worship Center, a grace that will allow us to see giving differently, to understand that giving is, um, is, an, is an honor, it's a privilege. As sons and daughters of the king, it, it should be something that makes us happy. It should be, we should uh, express joy when it comes time to give. It should be a part of who we are. And Paul was teaching the Corinthian church what I think the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us as a church right now. And he was saying, hey, let me remind you about the churches in Macedonia. It doesn't, it doesn't state what the poverty was. It doesn't state what the affliction was, but it mentions that they were afflicted. There was severe, uh, uh, there was severe affliction and trial that they found themselves in. They were broke. They were broke. But the scripture says in their affliction and in their poverty, they found joy in giving because of the grace that rested upon them. Listen, the joy of our giving should not be affected at all by difficult seasons that we go through. It should not even be a part of, a part of our giving. I love that the first reference in this portion of Scripture, I know I haven't read it all yet. I love that the first reference in the Scripture says, I want to make known to you the grace 
of God bestowed on the churches. See, there was something that the churches in Macedonia, Macedonia got because of the grace that was extended to them. We're not talking about the grace of salvation here. We're talking about a grace that was released to them so that they would come into a place of understanding so that even in their affliction and even in their poverty, they could understand that God was good and they could find a reason to be joyful even when they were struggling, knowing that they would come out of that struggle on the other side victorious and an overcomer. Giving is not legalism. I jumped ahead of you. Sorry. Giving is not legalism, but lordship. Lordship. Giving is not legalism. So if you're sitting in this house this morning and you're struggling with this message in general, then you're probably looking at the Savior through the wrong eyes. Because giving is not legalism. It's an exact repl uh, replication. or It's, it's, it's your, the barometer that says whether or not He is Lord of your life. And I don't know how it can get any clearer than that. And I'm not afraid or ashamed to back up and say, if you're in this house and you're struggling with that, then maybe you ought to consider whether or not He's really Lord of your life. You might know him as Savior, but until you know him as Lord, you really won't, you really won't know how good he is. You really won't know how good he is. The scripture goes on to say, let's read this, for I bear witness. This is Paul. He's schooling the Corinthian church. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability. They were freely willing. Now you know that I said to you earlier there's something different between being willing and being joyous or cheerful about your giving. See the, the Macedonian church, they weren't just willing, but they were freely willing and, and they were afflicted. They were in poverty, but yet they still had accomplished something. They had, a, they had come to an understanding of God's goodness that the Corinthian church hadn't learned yet. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely giving, imploring us, come on, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They were begging him, take our money. Take our money. I could imagine Paul was saying, look, you guys, are, you, you're hurting, you're in poverty. He, they're like, no, please. They implored him, take our gifts. Man. Man, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. We heard it sung in the song this morning. Holy Spirit's all over this service. It started with the worship and then in Dez's song. First gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, church, as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. God does not want us to miss this grace. This understanding of his nature and his character. He wants to take care of you. Just like we want to take care of our friends, our loved ones, boyfriends, girlfriends. You know how it feels when we, when we spoil someone? 
When you buy them a gift that they're not expecting, it's, it feels awesome. That's how God feels about taking care of you, about giving you good things. But yet we don't understand him like that. I love what Cindy said this morning. He's not a vending machine. We don't get to go put the money in and then click the choice of... We get to put the money in and then we get to trust him because he's good. And know that that blessing will come however he sees fit and it will be the best thing that could ever happen to you. They gave joyously, they gave generously, beyond their ability, right? Do you know that the Mormons, they're one of the richest financial institutions in the world. Do you know that they, when they come and they make a commitment to the Mormon church, they don't have a choice. They have to turn over 10% of their income. They, there's no choice. And because of it, they are one of the most richest financial institutions of the world. They take, they, they take care of their own, they take care of the widow, they take care of the poor because there's no option. And why do they do that? They do that because they believe in what they're doing. Do you believe in what you're doing, church? Do you believe in what we're doing, church? We, not we, on the front pulpit here, on the pulpit here, we. Do you believe in what we're doing as a church? Why do you come here? Why do you commit to one another? Why do you commit to the ministries? Do you believe in what we're doing here? They gave completely. They gave earnestly. They said, here is what we have. Do you need anything else? Here is all that we have. Do you need anything else? We are being presented with an opportunity today. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. But as you abound, church, could you stand to your feet? But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in works, in diligence, in knowledge, in understanding, in ability, in gifting, in whatever it is, as you abound in all these things, and you abound in your love for us, See that you abound in this grace also. Why? Because it'll make our job easier? Pfft, absolutely. But that's not why. Because we want to see you a blessed people. We want your testimony to be a testimony to this city. And until you come into an understanding, and it has to be completely by grace, because in our natural minds, we don't think like this. We think about ourselves. We think about our future. We think about how we're responsible to make sure that we're making all the right decisions and doing all the right things. That's how we're naturally wired. But a supernatural grace is being released in this house today. A supernatural grace so that we can enter into that place where for once and for all we can say this is our season. The climate of this world does not determine my wealth. The stock market, the Dow Jones, Wall Street does not determine my wealth my heart and who I believe Jesus Christ the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is that will
will determine the wealth in my life, not just in riches, not just in material riches, but in relationships, in gifting, in ministry, in promise, in hope, in faith, in the legacy that I leave behind me. It's grace. It's grace. So right now in this place, if you want a supernatural impartation of grace and anointing, and anointing is the ability to do something you would otherwise be unable to do on your own. If you want an anointing to move out in this grace because you're tired of making excuses because of last season, I'm going to ask that you come to the altar quickly, quickly. If you want to experience more of this grace that may already rest on your life, I'm going to ask that you come to this altar quickly. How many of you could afford a little bit more of this grace that Paul's speaking about here so that we can abound in all these good things? God is moving in this house right now. another one of the prophetic team spoke to me this morning and I feel it's really appropriate that right now that we're at this at the altars that we get a picture of this she saw a whirlwind in the spirit and in that whirlwind there was grain and the scripture talks about um, how the how, how uh, uh, the grain that the cha the chaff is separated from the wheat and she said as the as the wind was spinning the chaff was being lifted to the top and then all of a sudden just blown away Listen, if you're tired of being in your junk, you can't get yourself out of it. If you're tired about, of, of the situation that you find yourself in, and you've been trying, and you're tired, and you're weary as we sang in there, so freedom is in this place. Financial freedom I release over this house. I release a grace to trust in your goodness, my God. I speak abundance over your people, not for abundance sake, but for your name's sake, oh God. And we come to you as a people, as a church, committed to one another, saying I might not have had it all figured out, but today I know you can speak. And you are speaking of a goodness, a source and a supply that's limitless. Come on, you got to think more of just than, than, than in the natural right now. Because God is opening doors and He's blowing on you. He's blowing on your gift, Vin. He's blowing on your gift right now. He's opening new doors for you right now. You don't have to push them open. They're opening up for you, son. They're opening up for you. You got to believe. You got to believe that He's good. You got to believe that He's good. Where are you in this place? You need to be reminded by grace this morning because you can't remind yourself Christina he's good he's good Deb he's good couples married couples in this house he's good he's good be reminded today that he's good if you're struggling single mom and you're here today hear the word of the Lord my grace is sufficient for you my grace is sufficient for you. Get your heart right today. Come to me with your heart. Give it all away. Give it all away. Listen, I can hear in my ear the doors of the silos opening. I can hear in the
the spirit, the grain being released. There's a sound of abundance that is real. We've spoken about it. We've preached on it, but it's real and it's ringing in my ears even now because there's a grace that's being released. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. Come on. I'm coming your way. Come on now, don't look to me. It's his grace. I'm coming your way. You got a purpose in your heart. Your way. Yeah, Doug, come on. I'm coming your way. It's in your heart. Come on. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. The fullness, a full measure. A full measure. Not coming short. Making up all the deficit taking up all the slack he's coming your way are you coming his let this grace my god be upon this house the struggle's lifting you gotta believe church you gotta believe not in what he can do but in who he is in who he is and he's reminding you right now it's not what you can do you can do your very 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 best and it won't be good enough he's done it for you you might not understand but he's working it out right now in this place he's working it out if we will just believe he's good he's good church He's good. You might have a story, but let it be your history. Come on, this is a prophetic word this morning. You might have a story. Your, your, your past might hurt a little bit, but it's history. It's behind you. Today, he's good. He's good. Jen, woman of integrity, woman of excellence, his sight is on you, daughter of God. His sight is on you. In your heart that are important. I'm coming your way. I'm coming he has not forgotten way. you. He sees that you're a woman way. of excellence and that there's things that you desire. He's good, Jen. He's good. He's making it happen for you. He's good. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's breathing on your ministry ability right now. Your ability to minister, not just your plans for ministry, but your ability to minister as you give up your right because of your talents. Give up your right to minister and welcome his ability to minister by grace, in power, in power. over the hearts of the sons and daughters of this house right now. Some of us haven't been happy in a long, long time. But there's a grace right now, a grace to laugh again, 
a grace to dream again, a grace to live again, a grace to hope again, a grace to trust again, a grace to breathe again. It's time to live again, church. It's time to live again. He is the author of life. He started your walk and he will finish it. This is a word to you this morning. He will finish it. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just be caught away in his goodness. Be swept up in his goodness. Remember to be happy. Remember to be happy. He loves you. He loves you. His thoughts. His thoughts towards you. They're all good. You have to know that about him. I know I'm harboring on this, but we really, we, we have to get there. We have to know that his thoughts t- towards you are good because if you don't know it, you won't act like it. So Father, today we just, we stop and ponder in gratefulness about the thoughts that you have toward us. Thank you for seeing the best in us. Thank you for planning the best for us. Thank you, thank you for holding on to the riches and wealth in all areas that we've been unable to contain because of the attitude of our heart. But today we're trusting that the barn doors are opening, that the silo doors are opening and that we're gonna come into that place, Father. I just declare it now in Jesus' name. Let it be so according to your word, not mine. Your word, God. Goodness, goodness, goodness and mercy. Follow us all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name.